I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym, and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at Kind Farms Inc. All one word. That's K-I-N-D-P-H-A-R-M-S-I-N-C. And their website is kindfarmsinc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is Ryan10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today, my guest is the outstanding actor, LGBTQ icon, Corey Campercioli. Corey Campercioli is someone I met at NYU, and since graduating, he's been on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list for his short film, Femme. He is a gay man who identifies as queer and gay, but is what's called Femme. And he had a really hard time getting acting roles because he was told that he was too gay. He decided to make a short film about it, and it turned into something so beautiful and unique, and it really moved me, and I really wanted to have him on the show to talk about his experience as an actor, as a writer, and as a director. Here it is. Corey Campercioli, how you doing? Welcome to An Actor Despairs. Hi, Ryan. So good to see you. So great to have you. We were just talking about before we hit record that we've known each other for 12 years, and we entered conservatory drama school together at the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute. Sure did. And I think we both have like very mixed feelings about it. Very that. Yeah. Very that. But since then, <laughs> man, I've I, always been a huge fan of you as a human and as an actor. And it's been incredible to watch your persistence. And you've kept me inspired. And what you did with your short femme was nothing short of incredible. And I'm so excited for whatever is going to be the future iteration of of that I guess we could call it a show is yeah. what it'll likely yes. be yes. and everything else that's going to be in store for your magical journey because you're so talented and you have such incredible energy. Mm. It's great to have you here. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. So let's start from the beginning. Corey, you grew up in New Jersey, right? I sure did. Talk to me about that. Um, I grew up in Bridgewater, New Jersey, which is like a suburban town. Um, is that on the water? Just because it's- It is in central Jersey. Oh, weird. Yes. So it's not on the water. It's not on the water. Okay. It's right in the Misleading middle. Misleading title. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, yeah. I don't know. I uh, I had a great like childhood growing up. Love my family. Yeah. Um, Were your parents in the arts at all? Not at all. My wow. dad is um, in sales and my mom is- uh, She's a secretary at a school right now, and my sister is the a kindergarten teacher, and they work at the same school. I just wow. told you that before yeah, we started, but that's okay. Down. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and they, yeah, I wanted to get into acting. I did my. What kin- was the impetus for that? Do well, you remember? Yeah, I sure do. So, I was in out. kindergarten, and I was in a production of a show that they made up called Once Upon a Lily Pad. And a, I play- a play or a musical? Was, uh, it was a play. Oh, wow. It was a play. I played the owl, Hoot. His name was Hoot the Owl, yeah. and I had one line, and it was Hoot. And I, I said Hoot real <laughs> loud and real proud yeah. and real big. And it's so stupid. But I, I remember, well, so like before I said my big line, I had to like hide like b- behind Were you this, in an like, owl costume? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. yeah. It was like this felt sw- like sweat wow. sweatshirt. Yeah. And it had like little felt triangles on it. And I was like walking around like I was like everything. Amazing. Um, and I like hid behind this like paper tree for yeah. like the whole show. Yeah. And I like remember having like all these butterflies. And then I was like, Hoot. 
Woot. And, and that was it. And the rest is history. That's amazing, man. <laughs> it's so stupid, but you look like, I will never forget that ever. Yeah. And then I'm curious because, you know, obviously it plays a part later in your film. In your childhood, at what point do you feel like your identity, you started to come to grips with your sexuality and defy labels, if you will? Totally. Um, so yeah, I, I identify as gay and queer. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't know, like growing up, I guess I, um, I just always felt different from like specifically the other boys. Um, and I don't think I really under, quite understood what that meant until I got older, but I, I just remember feeling like I, I, I'm not like the other, the other boys specifically. Do, do you feel like that you felt a sense of isolation from that or, um, um, you, you feel like it didn't like, not, I feel like it could go one of two ways. It could be very positive and you, and you found your footing because you know who you are very young yeah. or because you don't know who you are and you're not fitting in. It could, it could harm you. Well, I think specifically I grew up, um, doing sports, which is interesting. Wow. Um, <laughs> what did you do? I did baseball, basketball, soccer. My dad was like my coach for all of it. And, and I look back and like, I think it was a really great way for me to spend time with my dad. Totally. And I think like, I just have so many memories of us, like being at the baseball field and like going to the field on like a Saturday and him hitting me like a hundred ground balls in a row and me like, wow. and us like bonding about like the Cleveland so Indians. Oh yeah. yeah like, you had a great time. I love it. Yeah. Like I loved, I loved it. Yeah. But specifically I remember like, the other teammates being being like I don't know like being on the bus with them and me like sitting in a corner like reading on the bus oh, and they're like, all like wanting- macho. <laughs> yeah, like- you watched WWE last <laughs> night and they're like, um, you check out Pornhub, yeah, like very that. Um, and I just remember feeling like a little a little different. Yeah, um, and then like I think I found my people that I. F- fit in with like in high school doing theater um did you have one of those schools that did very serious productions so yes but we also did um forensics which is like speech and debate what um yeah so basically part of drama club no it was different Uh, but like um basically what it was it was like competitive acting so like i was able to pick whatever play i wanted to do yeah and i did a 10 minute cut of it and i got to essentially like direct it and like pick what i wanted to perform and so like every all four years yeah i did it all four years wow. and um that's awesome i've never heard of that it was it was really incredible and it like i would travel all around the state and compete and we would do it on saturdays and basically like i look back and i was like wow that allowed me to like craft my own like play that i would perform every week like four times a day yeah. and i would walk into these rooms in front of these judges that i didn't know and like i don't know i w- think was that, it other teachers that were judging yeah or? like from around the around the state and i did like assassins by stephen sondheim and wow. i did um i was a junior and i did riverside drive by woody allen who was which curating is really, your choices i would go to barnes and noble and i would just like sit in front of the play section wow. and just like read read all of these plays um and i remember i Are did you still a vivacious reader yeah, yeah. i'd say yeah um i remember my senior year I wanted to do um, I Am My Own Wife by Doug Wright. Yeah. And it's about um, a transgender woman in World War II Germany. Yeah. And I remember like having this like feeling that like I really wanted to tell this story. And like, I don't think I understood at that time, but like in retrospect, I remember just like, it was this really queer story and like really wanting to tell this queer story in a way that like I felt seen and I felt myself in that character. Were were you out at this point? No, I didn't even know. I didn't really even know. Yeah, totally. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. Because you and... I guess, yeah, senior year, I guess I did. But it was all kind of Kind of Very, gray and, yeah. and like High I didn't really know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I remember like reading the story and being like, I have to do this. And my teacher being like, I don't know. That's a little risky. That's How a little bit. Jersey crowd receptive yeah, to it. Exactly. <laughs> but then I ended up doing it and it was one of the, I think in retrospect, one of the first times I like told a queer story Amazing. and felt. Um, empowered. really proud yeah. and empowered by yeah, it. And so I guess I just look back at that entire experience and it's like, wow, that was a great way to mold me into yeah. a creator. I really had the liberty and the freedom to pick whatever I wanted to perform. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, like, you know, in 
college and stuff like that. And I think in the real world too, people, people don't want to see you act, right? They want to cast you like true to who they think you are. Exactly. But I remember just being in high school and being like, I want to play a serial killer and I want to play a homeless person and I want to play, you know, all these like, do the character work. Yeah. 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 And then like, um, and it's so weird how slowly that like morphs. And now today it's like, I really only go out for like, you know, gay guys in their twenties. And yeah. and that's cool too. But sometimes I, I like to tap into that imaginative um kid of like being 17 and being like, I just want to play all these like wild, crazy yeah. characters and um trying to find the balance between that. And then also knowing who you are in the industry totally. and like stepping into that and stepping into yourself and finding your specific voice. And I really, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I talk to so many actors and writers and musicians, whether yeah. it's voice or tone for actors, it's voice. Yeah. Do you feel like you found your voice in high school or do you think you were yet to, fi- I, I didn't find mine until, you know, halfway through college, I feel like, yeah. you know, when I dropped out and I came back for you doing that piece, being empowered by that. Do you feel like, you know, talk to me about your decision to go to NYU. How did, how did uh, that come together? Yeah. I mean, it was my dream. I just remember like Tish always was having, your dream. Yeah. Wow. Very much like that was the thing I was working towards through all of high school. And I remember like getting that letter of acceptance and just like freaking out and like crying. Did you have any other schools that you applied to? Yeah, I applied to a couple others. But ones you didn't want. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Safety schools. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't get into a lot too. <laughs> um, and then I got into Tish and um, met you. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let, let, let's jump ahead now. Let's so do we're it. doing NYU freshman hey, year 2008. Hey. You, Don't me, us, Rachel Ryan. Brosnahan, hey, Colin Curran, hey. Jasmine Pierce. <laughs> yes, legends. Oh my God. Icons, stars. God. So I remember you just <laughs> crushing the males. <laughs> You're digging out, You know, hey. <laughs> You're getting laid so much more than me. Ryan. <laughs> no, I was a young, pure virgin. <laughs> so... Talk to me about your drama school experience, because mm. one of the things that you just brought up, and I'd really like to echo back, is that you talked about how in high school, you dreamed of playing serial killers, homeless men, and doing character work. Yeah. And I remember we both had a teacher who has now passed away, mm. who was a voice and speech teacher, who was who was very funny, but was very strict. Yeah. And he was really hard on me, because I guess I had like a little Southern thing going on. Yeah. And I remember him being very hard on you, because he was yeah. like... You need to learn to play straight. Yeah. You have to learn to lose the voice. And he would, but he would, you remember him. He would get, he, when he was funny and then when he was serious, there were two sides of the spectrum, which was weird because he was gay. Yeah. But I remember him, I think in his own way, it wasn't malicious or evil. No, no, no. He was no, trying no. to help you. Yeah. But I remember him always isolating you about that. Yeah. Was that, was that very hard for you dealing with that kind of, I mean, talk to me about your drama school experience. Yeah. I mean, that specifically, I think that speaks to a lot of like what femme is about yeah. as far as like internalized homophobia. Um, femme and, is your short film that yeah, we're going to dig yes, into. Yes, yeah. so I guess yeah. we'll get there later. Yeah. Um, but I guess I'm a very like, um, I think I'm a good like student and I like to get good grades and I like to yeah. get my work done and stuff like that. And I actually, when I think about it in retrospect, I think about how like <laughs> in some ways, like students at NYU are like kind of like in, in Tish and acting are like kind of like set up to fail in some ways because 100%. I think that like think NYU that- is a very rigorous like academic program. And, and in order to get into the program, you have to have like a certain level of like good grades and SAT yeah. scores. And, and I think it requires a lot of like, um, like a quote, good Ac- student, academia. right? Yeah. And, yeah. And then I think what's difficult is you go to NYU and then you go into acting and the teachers are like, you know, forget everything you've ever learned yeah. about the scene and like, you know, don't be a good student, make mistakes and be messy and, yeah. and really be messy. Yeah. And I think those two things in combination are really hard to do. Um, and I haven't thought about this in a while, but, um, me and Hannah Elise. Yeah. Hannah. Our, our good friend. Shout Hannah. Out Hannah. What's hey. up, babe? <laughs> um, we did a scene and like, 
like I said, I'm very academic. So like yeah. I, I worked so hard on this and then we were going to present it as our final. Um, and then we didn't. And then I remember out of nowhere, the teacher was like, Corey and Hannah, you're like presenting your final. Yeah. Right. Who, who was the instructor? Oh gosh. Was it Lola? No, it was a movement teacher. Oh, Ri- Richard. Yes. I know who you're talking about. Is that his name? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but he was like, you know, you're up. And I remember having that moment of being like, okay, um, I guess I just kind of like have to trust that the prep is in me because I didn't have any time to like cram or yeah. like do it right. And I remember just letting go. And I think that was like one of the most transformative moments in my career as an actor. Of letting go. It, of letting go. Of and not trying and to be trusting perfect. the work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, and saying, I know I did the work and I know it's going to come through. Yeah. So like, I surrender. Yeah. And, and it's interesting how like that's a lesson that like it's even coming back to me now, like, um, doing self tapes and stuff. I just did a self tape yesterday, two days ago. And usually I feel like when I'm self tape, I'm like so, um, cognizant of like the other person's time that I'm working with and like yeah. I have to get a clean take and stuff like that. And I was with my coworker. His name is Greg. And what up, Greg? Hey, Greg. Um, <laughs> he was like, Hey, you know, he's not an actor, but he has this really incredible eye. And he was like, you know, I have all the time in the world. Let's just like kind of run this a, a couple of different times yeah. and like getting it out of me that I had to get one perfect and just being allowed to play. Yeah. It's something that like I kind of maybe lost track of with so much like auditioning and not actually performing. And yeah. I think that's something that's really hard. It's like when you're an actor and, and you're auditioning and you're not actually like performing on set or like doing a show, like how do you keep that sense of play and spirit while yeah. also like honoring the craft of auditioning, if that makes sense? I'd also like for the audience to understand because I, I think it's so in- important for the audience to understand that like when you and I came into school, this is crazy to say, but Bush was still in office. Yeah, yeah. You know, LGBTQ yeah. knowledge and information yeah. was not at all yeah. what it is now. In yeah. fact, Obama was still running against gay marriage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, being in 2008 as a gay man at NYU, yeah. you know, there weren't shows like Euphoria yeah. yet. What were you seeing? What was inspiring you? Who who were the people that you were looking up to? And that was like, they're doing the work I want to be doing. I remember um, seeing Hugh Jackman do The Boy From Oz. Oh, yeah. Um, when I was, I think it was right before I came to NYU. And I remember being with my family and like my family loved that music. Yeah. We like listened to the soundtrack like all the time in the car. And like, I remember knowing that it was about someone who was bisexual, Peter Allen and, and, and Hugh Jackman played this really flamboyant person. Yeah. And I remember all of us like getting in the car and going to see this Broadway show together and, and like secretly being like, Oh my God. Yes. Like the theater is like celebrating this like, queer person totally. like over the top flamboyant yeah. femme person and like my family is like sitting there and watching it and loving it yeah and being like damn that's the power of theater like yeah i'm not saying that my parents are like homophobic in any way or totally. they're super accepting but just to be able to like sit in a darkened theater like with my family and watch this queer person character yeah. perform because Hugh Jackman doesn't identify as that, you know, but I remember being like, whoa, like that's the power of theater. That's yeah. the power of storytelling. Amazing. Um, But as far as other things that I was looking towards, like, I don't know, I, I think NYU was really pivotal for me because I found a group of queer people that were like me and I... I realized that I like wasn't alone in a yeah. lot of ways. I still think like to your point about our teacher, like um, people were telling me that my queerness would be a barrier to me yeah. having success. And that continued all through post-college as well. Um, did I, you stay at Strasbourg all four years? I stayed, I was Strasbourg for two and then I did classical with Daniel Spector. Oh, so Daniel's and amazing. Louis that was amazing. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, and I remember it was such, you know, Strasbourg, I feel like was all about like, me yeah. and like my experiences and, and so inward yeah. and classical is all about actions totally. and the other person and getting what and you I want. Yeah. 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 And then I went from that to stone street. Yeah. 
which is film and TV acting. Yeah. And I just, in retrospect, I think of, I think of what a cool arc that was of like knowing how to be internal, knowing how to play action and then going back to yeah. like, now how do you like distill all of that and capture it in the camera? And I, I, I do think back to my education at NYU and um, for the most part, I, I really did love it. And I think it, it allowed me to meet really cool people. The one thing I would say when I think back to is like, it's interesting that there was not one person that saw my development all the way from freshman year through senior year. Of course. And like, I think it requires a certain type of person to um, manage their own growth without having someone else checking in with them all the time who's seen their artistic progress. And when I think that we were asked to do that at like 18, it's kind of wild, you oh, know? It's insane. But yeah. um, that's the one thing I tell people who are like thinking about if they want to go to NYU or not. Yeah. It's like, I loved it. I had great education. I met incredible people, but um, you Knowing know, you have what to be you know diligent. Now about acting school and drama school, would you tell 18 year old Corey to do it again? NYU? Absolutely. You yeah, would. I would. Yeah. I mean, I think, I met incredible people. Yeah. I, it was, I think it was really it's important. It's all about the people. Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, I never would have met you. It like, is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think in retrospect, it was really important for me to be in New York at that pivotal moment of like finding myself and, and stepping into my queerness. And especially at NYU, I was surrounded by so many other queer people where I was like, oh, cool. Like, I... I'm not a I'm crazy not freak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and did you get immersed in the scene here? Because I know there's like the stone wall, the duplex, yeah. and all the, you know, amazing gay culture there is in the village and Chelsea and Hell's I mean, Kitchen. Yes and no. I feel like I didn't have any time. Yeah. You know, I well, feel like true. we were just we so were like 40 hours booked. a week of acting. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think I kind of, I did get into that um, later once we graduated. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about your postgraduate transition because yeah. it's tough for any actor because NYU, I'm calling you out, there's no showcase. And yeah. so you, you can leave NYU and you can, you know, even I have some friends that did all the main stage productions yeah. and then you're out and it's like, go be an artist well, and, and you don't have an idea of like, how do I get an agent? How do I, how do I get a manager? Yeah. You know? I, I mean, I th do think that Stone Street did a good job of like doing those weekly sort of um, showcases with yeah, agents and, and managers. And great. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, okay. Well, this is interesting. I guess I, because of Stone Street. So we did a, there was like an agent. No, there was a casting director night and I went in and I performed, I performed, no, no, no. We were told about this casting director and they were casting a project and looking for queer actors. Amazing. And so I went in and I did my monologue and I think I remember being like really bold and being like, I, I need to be in your movie. Yeah. I just, I need to be in your movie, I think. Amazing. <laughs> and, and she was like, okay, yeah. um, I guess I'll call you in. Yeah. And so I went in. Um, Can you say what it was? Yeah. yeah. It was, um, it's called Migraine. Um, so it, it was a short film and this is wild. So I, it's about this, um, person who's going to um a narcotics anonymous meeting okay and they had essentially done like a homophobic like act essentially they had disrespected someone who was queer and then they end up going to like a an all queer um na meeting and so it's really it, it's really interesting and, and great but anyway we did night shoots so this oh, was, you got it i got it sorry no, amazing. i booked, I booked. <laughs> spoiler alert i booked <laughs> love wow. it um and then um so that was right when i graduated yeah we did night shoots and i remember seeing this beautiful woman and i was like oh my god you are so beautiful um and that person was Laverne Cox. <laughs> no way. Yeah, from Orange is the New Black fame. Wow. Um, and I remember being like, you're so beautiful. And I remember her like being Have like- Have you bumped into her since and told her that? I yeah, Well, yeah. yeah. And I, I remember I was like, you're so beautiful. She goes, um, every single day someone stops me in the street and tells me that I look like Beyonce. And I was like, go off, sis. Oh my so God. So we had really fun night shoots. And she hadn't hadn't shot Orange is the New Black yeah. yet. Um but this film was really cool. It went on to um, play at Tribeca Film Festival, which was awesome. And then I kind of saw Laverne just skyrocket to success. Yeah, and I think what was interesting is like we had the same role. Like we were both in this NA sort of circle and sort of we have the same, you know, screen time. And this and, is pre-Orange is the New Black. This is pre-Orange is the New Black. And then within a year of us shooting that, Orange is the New Black came out. She skyrocketed to success. And I remember seeing her on the cover of Time yeah. and being like... 
if you stay true to yourself, like that's the type of rocket yeah, to stardom that totally. can happen. And I remember Great being story. so inspired by her and still to this day being so inspired by her saying like, that's what you ha- that's what happens when you stay true to yourself. Wow. Yeah. So if anything, it empowered you and kind of it, totally it, it took away from all those motherfuckers being like, Corey, you need to be straight. Corey. Well, I mean, that 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 was a lot of that was happening, too. I remember I was I did um, a lot of like off Broadway plays where I played a lot of gay characters and I loved it. Um, and I remember this, this is after college. This is after college. Okay. Um, and then this agent came to one of the shows and she asked me to come to her office for a meeting afterwards. And she asked me to bring in another scene. Yeah. So I brought in another scene. And it was also another gay character. And I remember her being like, why would you ever bring in two gay scenes? Like I already saw you do gay. Like I want to see you do something else. She was like, you'll never work in this industry oh unless God. you learn how to play straight. And I remember just like leaving and like hysterically crying yeah. and just being like, well, I don't, I don't know if I have a place in this industry. I don't know. It, it really, it really hurt my yeah. soul. And that was like my first agent meeting. And it was just, I know how those can go. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. ruin you and they yeah. break you. Um, so that was hard. I think it was a lot of mix of like seeing Laverne and then getting <laughs> told that I'm too gay and I'll yeah. never work. And like, how do I wrap my how, head around that? How do you feel like you did, you prevented yourself from getting disillusioned and you stayed on the creative path and made way for what we will get to? Yeah. Femme. Um, so I, I did a, I did a pilot presentation in LA. Um, I guess like not long after that sort of agent thing. Um, and for something you were creating or, uh, I I was just asked to be a part of it. My friend, um, Melissa Lehman was doing this pilot presentation and Benno Rosenwald was producing it. Okay. So I went out there and I did it. It was so much fun. It was with Steph Shu, um, who later was a part of Femme and is now on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and all that stuff. Um, she's an actress. Yeah, she's incredible. Um, and so we did that pilot presentation and then Benno, who was the producer was like, you know, I see something in you. Um, you know, I would love, he's like, I'm just sort of like breaking into the industry and I'd love to represent you as, um, as a manager. And he also was gay. And I remember that being such a like transformative moment of him, wow. like looking into my eyes and like saying, like, I see something in you and yeah. I believe in you. And, and when I think back about that, I just think how transformative that was to be seen by another queer person. And like, I just think about how, I can try to do that in, in ways as well and sort of empower other queer people and say, like, I see you. I believe in you. Like, yeah. let's all raise each other up. A hundred percent. Um, so Benno ended up, um, like managing me for a little bit and he would pitch me to all these casting directors and everyone said that I was too specific, which is coded for essentially like too gay, yeah. too over the top, too yeah. flamboyant, all these things. And so I remember him saying, like, you know, do you feel like that first like hit from that agent, yeah, kind of gave you leather skin to from the other ones, that, or did they sting every yeah, time? Yeah, I mean, I think they they do still sting every time, <laughs> yeah. but it gets a little easier. Yeah. Um. But Benno, his solution was he was like, okay, like I'm not getting any traction. Like people aren't don't you're you're too specific, but they also don't know what to do with you. Like, um, he was like, I'm a- I think I'm actually more interested in like producing yeah so he was like i want to produce like a vehicle for you and he was like if you tell your story yeah then i will produce it yeah and that again was another one of those moments where i was like whoo like okay cool like someone believes Believes in in me me. and i remember i remember we had like sushi on the upper west side and i remember like leaving that meeting and just crying, like feeling just so seen and so empowered. And so he basically gave me that permission to tell my story, which is something that I kind of never thought was worth telling or felt that there wasn't a place for it in the industry. Um, And that really was the impetus um, for Femme, which turned out to be, you know, the thing that really helped me break into the industry and, and the thing that Forbes 30 under 30 motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that too. That's amazing, man. So yeah. you, when Benno had you do this, did you have, like, when he told you, did Femme come to mind? Or was no, that his- not at all. Wow. Um, 
I was so for those who don't understand, can you kind of break down how the short film production process, Mm. pre production, Mm -hmm. post all filming works different than a feature? Yes, because you have about fifteen to twenty two minutes in a short. Yes, yeah, honestly, like shorter. If I were to go back, I would make it a lot shorter. I think Fem clocked in at like eighteen minutes, and I do think it presented uh, um, some difficulties programming for festivals because if if you want to be on the festival circuit and you're doing shorts like they want something that's really lean and short because yeah. they can then put it on blocks yes yeah. and like cram more shorts into one right hour uh, hour yeah. and a half viewing exactly yeah um so in retrospect i probably would have gone shorter yeah <laughs> we clocked in like 18 minutes but inter in size matters <laughs> size matters it does um and uh but actually it clocking in at like 18 minutes is actually what made it a really great pilot which yeah. i guess we'll get into like the, all that but yeah i mean as far as figuring it out what i wanted to write i i loved um uh the who, artist's who did you way look to? like what 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 shows of representation at that, like Orange is the New Black, you mentioned? Yeah. Like, what, was there something you look to and you're like, I want to do something kind of in that style? Like when I when I write, I'm like, I love The Wire, I love True yeah. Detective, you know. Honestly, I <laughs> I looked at RuPaul's Drag Race. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Like I had Carmen Carrera on the podcast. I know. Yeah. I yeah. love Carmen. Yeah. She's everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Um, I just thought that that was a celebration of queerness in a way that like I had never seen before. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, um, people really being celebrated for who they are. And I think RuPaul is such a genius, um, in showing us how to love ourselves, I guess, you know, and I, I think what was interesting about the process of femme is that like, I didn't love my femme identity or my, you know, my femme identity yet. And yeah. what I wanted to do was to write a script that taught me how to love myself. Yeah. You know, and I wrote this character that went on this journey towards loving themselves in the hopes that I would sort of follow in to, those footsteps. To give like a little, could you give a little plot? Yeah, summary? sure. You know, um, or you can just tell the whole story. Yeah. If- so femme, um, is a story of Carson, who is this um, sort of flamboyant um, gay guy who I play, yeah. who goes on this grinder date um, and gets rejected for being too femme, yeah. which is something that's super common within the gay community. That's a real term. Yes. You, wow. Yes. Yeah. And if you're on like grinder and these apps, you'll see a lot of um, no femmes and mask only. So right. that means like no one who's feminine presenting, Got people it. who are masculine presenting only. And I think that this speaks to a lot of the internalized homophobia in the community because it's like people are trying to put down things that make someone markedly gay, you know, markedly gay in, in air terms. So like, um, and I think that kind of speaks to what we were talking about with that gay teacher in college. She was telling me that I shouldn't act gay, right? It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. So it's about my character getting rejected for being too femme and then sort of going on this journey towards loving himself um, with the help of a drag queen fairy godmother. Yeah. <laughs> and Amazing. sort of going on that journey towards um, owning who you are yeah. and loving who you are as is. So yeah, it's that's beautiful. Like, and and thanks. people can't check it out online yet, can they? Or? They can, yeah. yeah. If they go to femthefilm.com, that's F-E-M-M-E, thefilm.com. There's a link. We're on a, um, a streaming site called Reverie, okay. um, which I love. They're a, they're a queer streaming service. Amazing. Um, but yeah, that's that's like that's femme, and then I guess like the product, the pre pro. You asked about the, yeah, you know pre pro so and for, fundraising for and a lot stuff of like artists that. out there. I think crowdsource funding has become such an yeah. in, a monumental way to get oh my God. told by artists that otherwise couldn't. Yes. And, and you got you were overnight. You were like you yeah. went to one of their flagship projects. I think yeah, first. it was it was wild, and I think like I'm so grateful that we did crowdfunding because I th- and I would encourage everyone who's thinking about is there a lot of like bureaucratic channels in in the crowdsource funding or did you not encounter that i didn't encounter that i actually found that it to be quite great and quite simple to use yeah um like first point like first thing is like anyone who's considering like writing their own work like fucking do it it like totally changed my life and i think it was such a switch from like relying on other people to give me opportunities to then like taking that back and saying like i don't need anyone to give me an opportunity like i can make them for myself and that's what's going to chart my my career trajectory and specifically people who are outside of um 
I don't know, you know, people who are from underrepresented groups who feel like it's even more difficult to get in the door. Um, like creating your own work is a great way to say like, this just show who you are and yeah, yeah, and not have to wait for opportunities to be given to you. Totally. Um, so that's like number one, just like do like make that piece of art that you've been like, yearning to do yeah. just like do it yeah um and crowdfunding was a great way to do that 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 i was able to do that um and i lost my train of thought just one second <laughs> crowdfunding pre-production oh, yes okay yeah. so um i also think crowdfunding is great because it gives you capital it gives you funds to make your movie yeah but it also gives you like fans of and like people who are invested in your project before you even start and so I you're think, kind of building a brand yeah you're building a brand you're building a fan base you're yeah. building a group of people who are interested in what you're doing yeah and those are people who who will follow you for the rest of your career right yeah. um so for femme and for the crowdfunding campaign alden peters um was our director he's absolutely stunning and i could not have done any of it without him and Benno as well. Yeah. Um, but Alden really helped to shape the crowdfunding campaign. Wow. And I just learned so much about crowdfunding, about like, um, you know, ways to, to structure the, the, the pitch, um, you know, when to release content, how to, you know, um, get a group of people who are invested from the beginning, especially like, having people who were donate right in the beginning because yeah. that sort of like boosts it up in the algorithm. So totally. then it gets showed more and yeah. more and more. Also the like the psychology of like people want to be involved in a project that they know is going to win yeah. and that they know is going to get yeah, their goal. Course. Like yeah. it's just like life yeah. psychology, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, but we had a goal of raising $10,000. We got $10,000 in that. one day. Yeah. We went on to raise, I think, $35,000. Wow. Um, and, and then you had producers even come on and, and, and add to that, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. And we got all this press, which was really wild. And in retrospect, By I think- a Kickstarter or- So people- Because they saw it shoot up so high. Yeah. Out. They saw- I think Alden did such a great job of crafting the video and saying what it was all about yeah, and saying the message. Video. People should check that pitch yeah, video out. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think what was really special was just kind of like right moment, right time of like people were talking about those issues and yeah. it happened at a really specific time. It was right around the time of the, the Women's March yeah. and um, Trump. Yeah, tr- yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah. Trump. Um, all of that. And I think it just hit at the right time. And because it spoke to these, these ideas of, um, gender inequality and gender roles, um, it just got really picked up in a lot of really cool, like outlets. It was like on Huffington Post and out magazine and, and really cool things. And, and I think what's interesting is like, we started to get press about femme before we even made the film, which is, a very interesting like place to be in because yeah. it's like a lot of high Going expectations. High yeah. 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 Um, but it was great. I, I would so recommend crowdfunding. I, I personally loved working with Kickstarter. I thought their team was great. And like I said, it's a great way to like not only build capital, but to get eyes and get fans. Um, that's how Rachel Brosnahan came yeah. onto the project. What up, Rachel? Hey, Rach. Yeah. Um, she saw um, our Kickstarter and um, she had just finished filming the pilot of Maisel. Yeah. And she was like, you know, I'm really interested in what you're doing. In a lot of ways, I think it's like the flip of Maisel. Like yeah. it's kind of talking about similar issues from different perspectives. Totally. Um, and so she came on to executive produce the short film, which was incredible. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of like assembled like my dream cast and um, and shot it and um, like toured the world with it, and yeah. it changed so my did life. You, you did the festival circuit. Did the festival circuit? Loved that. I would just you loved, recommend people doing yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great way to meet filmmakers too. Like, yeah. it was the first it's a great time networking event. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and 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 like not even networking in like a like a social dirty, climbing. Yeah, yeah. way. It's yeah. just like I loved your film. Yeah, like to be inspired. Talk, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think like. I just, I loved the film festival circuit. I really loved it. And I think it's a great way to like be a part of the industry and like meet people. And like I said, like, I think the common theme was like not waiting for other people to give you opportunities and and feeling like I was really in control of my destiny the entire time. And I imagine you were getting a lot of phone calls from people before that were like, you're too specific. Yeah. I've always loved you and (laughs) believed in you. (laughs) That. 
Yes. <laughs> like I see um, snake. Yes. Snake. <laughs> um, but I just, I just loved that whole experience. It's and, amazing. I'm so glad. Yeah. It's such an incredible film. And Thanks. I, I watched it before this interview and it, it's so touching in it. And it, I, um, I don't know. You know, it's, it, I'm, I'm not gay, but I have tons of friends who are gay yeah. and trans. And yeah. I feel like in a way, I identify so much with the character because I'm an addict mm-hmm. and, you know, it's it's a very different living in a closet when you're an addict, mm-hmm. like when you know, but you mm-hmm. can't accept it. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to accept that I'm an addict and yeah. come out of the closet as mm-hmm. an addict. So I get the story hits home for me in a lot of ways. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Oh, that's really. In- thank you for saying that. Yeah. I, I've I've never really heard that before. Yeah, I call it the glass closet. You okay. Know? Yeah. Everyone can Peacups, see, but yeah. But then you know you finally come out. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm an addict. And you can see out, but there's also a barrier between you and yeah, other people. Exactly. Yeah. And and there's a lot of taboo, but I think I think it's really empowering, and I think we need more voices like yours. And I'm so curious because we're going to talk about what what's going to happen now because. Yeah. You're in the process of pitching it, right? Yeah, we're in the process of pitching, which is really fun. Um, also, how did you, uh, for all the you know LGBTQ or interested or mm-hmm. you know uh, allies listening, yep. how were you able to then wave through the bullshit of people wanting to come be on your team hmm. and know which ones were the real ones and which ones were there to ride the the gravy train? Yeah. Um, cause I imagine I, you got a lot of phone calls. After. Yeah. I, the Forbes s- list being huge. Yes. Yeah. That was, that was wild and, and, and crazy. And you got to tour with that as well. Yeah. I got to go did. to Israel, which was really fantastic. Um, got to, got to travel, which is great. Um, I found my, I found my manager through it, which was really great. Yeah. Um, her name is Sanaz Yamin. I love her. Amazing. Um, and I think, another benefit of like being your authentic self and making work that highlights your authentic self is that I feel like the right people are attracted to you and find you. Yeah. And, um, my friend Amanda was posting about Femme. She's in the industry, an incredible casting director. And then because Amanda was posting about it, Sanaz saw it. And then Sanaz reached out to me wow. and was like, I'm really looking to represent queer people. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting. Um, How do you feel now that like, you know, in, in 2020, we're kind of almost on the other end of the spectrum now. Where now we're seeing more representation than ever. Do you, I mean, I imagine obviously you're very proud and inspired. Yeah. Is 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 that something that you always thought this could be, or do you think we still have a long way to go? Oh, we still have so much, so much. Because I was talking to, to Carmen Carrera when she yeah. was on the podcast, and you mentioned we'll go back to talking about it for yeah. you. How she mentioned that she only gets seen as trans woman, yeah. and I asked her, "Do you think there'll ever be a time where you just go in as?" hot chick or woman you know Mm -hmm. do you think do you think there'll ever be a post-sexuality world or do you think it's always going to be you know i know that's such an existential philosophical question what i will say is like i kind of have no desire to play straight roles yeah (laughs) (laughs) and that like i just think we should be continuing to tell queer stories Yeah, yeah yeah but also like i have a desire to play gay roles because i haven't seen enough of them and the ones that I have seen are rather two-dimensional so like I want to keep telling and upholding and empowering queer storytelling um specifically queer people of color like I have so much privilege and you know even being in the queer community I have so much privilege and I want to continue to uphold other queer voices and specifically you know queer people of color and um we have so much distance to go as far as true representation um and uh yeah that's amazing and then for those you know listening out there that that are really struggling with their sexuality and don't have the immense luxury that you and i had of going to school like nyu or living in a city like new york city any advice to them that are struggling with their identity and and maybe they live in texas and their parents are very religious and they feel very isolated yes what would you say to them um one, I would say, like, we need you. Like, don't go anywhere. <laughs> like, yeah. st- you know, stay the course. You will find your true family that that you're meant meant to be and meant to find. I truly believe that. I think we all 
find our chosen family. Yeah. Um, whether or not we're accepted by our biological family. Yeah. Um, but I'd say like the internet is such an incredible place to find really your tribe is. and find your people. And I think what's, what was so wild about femme is telling the story that I thought was like so uniquely personal and so specific and being like, no one's going to relate to this. And then just getting all of these DMs and messages and, and, uh, was you know, things on social. Yeah. I mean, people from around the world saying, yeah. you know, I see myself in you. I've never seen myself represented in this way. People saying like, you know, I was, I was close to like ending my life and I saw femme and it made me want to, wow. you know, continue. And, and, and I think it was such an eye opener that like, you know, what is deeply personal is also universal, but then also like the internet is such an incredible place because it can connect you to people who are like you and make you feel less isolated and less alone. Yeah. Um. So I thought that was really um cathartic and transformational for me and, and showed me that, you know, there's such a incredible community out there. You just sometimes maybe have to work a little to find it maybe. Yeah, totally. And can you talk about what's what's going on with the next generation of FEM right yeah. now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Rachel Brosnahan signed on to executive produce this series as well. Amazing. So that's so exciting. So thrilled to have her. Yeah. Um, and we're in the pitching process. We're really trying to find Meeting the right home. Meeting with different home. networks, finding yeah. the right home for yeah. it. Yeah. Finding the right home for it. Um, so I'm optimistic. So it's going to be a TV show, not a feature. Yes. It's going to be a TV show. And, and, you know, I think the length of it actually, like I said, contributed to that because- yeah interesting the the short kind of ends not like a cliffhanger no, but there, you could see there'd be room for a lot like a lot yeah, more yeah and i did that i did that intentionally um to give myself the option to continue the story yeah um and in the festival run just the the common thread that i heard for feedback was like we wanted more we didn't want it to end and that was such great feedback and i was like okay well you know i don't want this to end either yeah. and and tonally um our editor was um, the editor of Broad City. So it kind of had that sort of feel yeah. and people kept saying, you know, I could really see this on TV. And yeah. um, so then I worked really hard on writing a, a pilot version of it. Um, and so I, you know, it, it's really interesting. Um, shorts have to be so like laser focused because yeah. you time is so precious right totally. and and i think what's exciting to me about um a series is really opening up the scope yeah of really getting into the backstories of the people um who didn't really get enough screen time in the short yeah and opening it up to the entire queer universe really of course and all and even non-queer universe as well like you know what you said about feeling you felt you related to femme because you're an addict, like, or excuse me, you know, we're an addict or, you know, yeah. I, I, there's room for all of that yeah. in that universe. Yeah. And it's really exciting to like blow it up and, and, and see all the possibilities it can go. So it's a really, really exciting thing to be a part of. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm optimistic we'll find the right place that, that I know loves you will, us. man. I'm so excited. Yeah. I can't wait to keep people tuned. Yeah. Two final questions for you. Okay. Who's inspiring you right now? What, you know, it doesn't have to be an individual. It can be mm. a piece of music. It can be an artist. It can be an mm. actor. It can be a film you saw. It can be a show you saw. Like, what's inspiring you right now? Um, let's see. Okay. Like, <laughs> cheer popped into my head no i'm obsessed way. with that on netflix Amazing. it was so beautiful it was so i'm like i'm really fascinated by like the mental aspect of everything we do as actors and that's like, the cheerleader show yeah right? it is the cheerleader <laughs> show um but i was watching it with my dad and i thought like these people were about to do these like incredible stunts yeah and the craziest thing for me was like, you could see it on their face, whether they were going to nail it or yeah. not, or whether they were going to fall because it was just such a pressure cooker of, you know, pressure and emotions and all these things. And like, you could just see it all over their face, like whether they were going to nail it or not. And it just spoke to me just about the mental nature of everything that we do and yeah. just having to really be indefatigable in our pursuit of what we want and what we knew that we were meant to be on this earth to do. Um, and I think about that with auditions and like 
Morgan is this incredible, like, stunter who's like flying, you know, like all in the air. And, and her coach, Monica, was like, they were just talking about how fearless she is and about how like she would get thrown up in the air and like not know whether she was going to get caught or not, you know? And I thought like, that's like every audition, you know? And and also like, (laughs) if you balk and like half do it, yeah, you're fucked. Yeah. You're going to bail. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And like, I, I just thought like, I had like a couple auditions this week and I was like, just do it with the like, Courage yeah. and tenacity and fearlessness I of Morgan. That. That's such a great answer. That's the best answer anyone's given on this podcast. I guess that's what's inspiring you also sold me. Me and my audience yeah. on cheer. Watch I gotta go cheer, watch that pilot. Everyone watch cheer on Netflix. Amazing. It's well, it's, it's a documentary. Yeah. It's not even like a scripted show. But anyway, whatever. Well, there's a scripted one too, I think. No. There's it was on one channel. I saw the, the show. It was like the trailer for it. Huh. I can't remember what network it's on. It's not okay. one of those, but cheer. I'm gonna watch cheer. that. <laughs> and then Corey Kimberly, we talked about them, yes, but sir. What, what's also next for you as as both an actor and as a person yeah um so continuing pitching pitching fam um auditioning auditioning, um which is really exciting um i'm also writing my first feature which i'm really excited about i'm about 90 pages in um that's a good double digit number yeah, yeah um and that's just so exciting and scary. Yeah. Um, I think especially when you come out of the gate with something as personal as femme, um, you know, it's like, what's next? And, um, especially someone who like didn't necessarily see themselves as a writer to begin with. Yeah. There's always that thing in the back of my mind that's like, you know, are you really a writer or like, did you just tell your story? And like, that was kind of difficult for me to to grapple with, um, but I am a writer, yeah. and um, a writer is someone who writes things, and yeah. I write things, yeah. and like I think we attach this huge like stigma, weight yeah, and, like all of that to like I'm a writer, yeah. and it's like you no, don't have to be Hemingway, write. just yeah, write, just write yeah. and tell your story. That's and how have you it, become Hemingway, yeah, yeah. And have it come through, yeah. you know, your point of view. Um, so writing something outside of femme has been one of the most like rewarding and scary and difficult and exciting things that I've ever done. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it's kind of also outside of the scope of like, it's not, it's not a natural follow-up to femme. It, it's very different in tone. It's very different in subject matter. Like I didn't write a part for myself. There's like, it's interesting to see how oh. far I can stretch my a voice. A true piece of art that yeah, that's, that's not that I'm removed yeah, from, but yeah. also I have a tie-in as well. Yeah, um, and I I relate so heavily to the characters. Um, so finding finding that is really interesting and exciting. Amazing. And what's um, a great way for people to stay in touch with you? Follow me on Instagram. Can you give? Can you spell it out? <laughs> Corey Camp C O R E Y. Camp C A M P. Um, and also I have a website, CoreyCampercholi.com. My last name is a mouthful, so I will spell it. Yeah, I'll have it linked. <laughs> yeah, C O R E Y C A M P E R C H I O L I dot com. Amazing. Corey Campercholi, I have so much love for you and you're just so getting started. And it's, it's just getting started, baby. <laughs> yeah. We're going to take over the world together. <laughs> yes. Thank you for having me. Of this is such I a beautiful yeah. um, reunion. Yeah. So thank you. Oh, many more to be had. Yes. Love you, brother. Yes, love you. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.